I was absolutely out on the teenage Roy kids when the one guy did like a 180 spin shot to shoot one of these oh, pike soldiers. Oh God, in. the infamous, the infamous spin shot. Why? Why did they do that? Nobody else on the crew was like, no "Hey, man, that. that actually looks kind of fucking lame." Yeah, they weren't on the editing bay, being like, "Maybe we should cut this." Yeah, let's not put that in, Bobby. 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 Uh, Bobby. 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 This looks really bad. It was like, this stop trying really to make bad. fetch happen. I'm ready. <laughs> What's up, real critics? As always, I'm Jose Garcia Chow, and you're listening to Everyone's a Real Critic. If you're just tuning in here at EARC, John and I take a look at the movies that have divided critics and audiences. If it has at least a 20% difference between audience and critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes, we gonna talk about it. We'll give you the real critic thoughts on the movie break down the critic and audience scores and wrap it up with our own overall score of the movie. But you know us, we like to keep it fun and light because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Everyone's a real critic. So without further ado, John, my friend, my brother, my homie, let the people know what we're talking about this time. What's going on, man? It's been a while. We're, fi- we're finally back. We we've, back, uh, baby. Yeah. We've had some, uh, you know, real life things outside of this podcast that people listen to uh, going on. Hey, John, you're uh, you're a married man now. I am. I'm a married man now. So um, sorry, ladies, know, for the one lady, the two ladies that listen to our podcast, both of our moms um, <laughs> <laughs> were in attendance. I'm sure yeah. they're aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were there. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations buddy thanks man you did an awesome job on the last one just sort of running with it uh we we reintroduced from the vault one of our early uh our early tries at being podcasters by uh reviewing spy kids which you yeah, know how what? about that huh it was we have I a think we it, have a vault we have a vault yeah we do <laughs> deep cuts best believe up. it or not there's episodes that we have not aired of this yeah and there's <laughs> usually a reason associated with it um, but I thought we thought Spy Kids was actually it was our first one we ever did. Um, and it turned out mm-hmm. surprisingly OK for our first attempt. Um, and it's just fun to like yeah. go back, listen. If you haven't go back and listen and, um, you know, see just how little uh, we've come since then. <laughs> <laughs> just a stone's throw away. Yeah, really just a small stone's throw away. But all right. What are we doing here? Why are we here today? Well. Uh, as you mentioned, we look at 20% differences between critic score and audience score. We actually, when we first decided to do this, what we're going to talk about today, there was a 20% difference between the critic score and the audience score. That has since changed. So we're going to take a different look at it. What we're looking at is uh, the latest Star Wars series, uh, Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Um, Overall, the whole series, when we first looked at it, as I said, had a 20% difference. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the show a little bit, but 
specifically the last two episodes, which have, I think, almost a 40% difference. Uh, but we'll get to get to that in just a minute. But, you know, like we do before we get into the show, let's uh, let's go through what we like to call now really good or really bad. What you watching on TV right now? So, John, before we took this uh, little break here, um, I wrote this whole spiel on Euphoria. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Go for it. Really good or really bad this week. Okay. Okay. I got to say, it's uh, season two of Euphoria specifically. It's not great. It's not okay. really all that great. The show's not great or your manifesto that I'm looking at here is not great? <laughs> no, my manifesto, I think... Well, it might not be great, too, because I think I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. So I will say this. There's a lot um, from Euphoria season two that I really loved. I love the cinematography, the needle drops and the performances are all incredible. Um, But and this is a big old but the show has been making me laugh my fucking ass off because it is so fucking dramatic. It's gone completely off the rails. The first season was a beautiful portrayal of high school Zoomer angst, of navigating depression and trauma and heartbreak and first loves and just that like strange phase in your life when you're no longer a kid, but you're not mature enough to understand like who you are and what your place in the world is. And then, you know, you just sprinkle in some drugs, some dealers and and some incredible cinematography, some bisexual lighting, some needle drops, And you've got this beautiful new version of Degrassi or Skins or any one of those shows that seems like it comes around every 10 years. That's all it really is. Like I said, when I first wrote this review, I was only a few episodes in and I was really enjoying it. But it's mostly because I became very connected to some of the characters, characters like Fesco and Lexi and Rue and Jules. I'm trying to keep this spoiler free, by the way, in case people haven't seen this, because just because I didn't like this. I do think people should watch it. Uh, the problem is that in season two, the writing has really gone downhill. I think I was laughing at like everything that has to do with these two characters, Nate and Maddie and, and uh, Nate's dad too. And I think now that I've had some time to like reflect on it, it feels like the show is now being like quote unquote provocative and violent just for the sake of being provocative and violent. And not because there's like that deeper message that's rooted in like teenage reality anymore. It's honestly kind of gross. Cause like, when you think about it for a little long, you're like, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't understand why we're still fetishizing being 17 years old and in high school. Like that's a story we all know we've all grown up with. Maybe now we have social media and it's different, but it's not like the show decides to put that in the forefront. Right. It's still just, it's, I don't know. It's dumb. It's 2022. And this is like what a John Hughes movie is like today, you know? It's like Zoomer 16 candles, um, but it's fun at the same time. And it's dramatic and it's nice to look at. Uh, it's pretty on the eyes. And as far as season two goes, it's just not season one, uh, because what's great about season one is the way it like dramatized a young person's psyche. You know, your first love, the world stops. Um, heartbreak is the worst pain you've ever felt in your life because you're a kid, you know, like 
And and in season two, the flaws are just way more evident. There's no consequences to any of their actions because because it's so dramatic, like all of the stakes are getting higher and higher, but there's never any consequences to it. And you could probably argue with me that it's because when you're a teenager, you tend to do things without thinking about consequences. You know, you're more emotional than rational. But at the same time, it's like, this is TV, baby, and I'm here for a story. And if you show me a Chekhov's gun and then it never pays off, we're going to fed up. But if you show me seven Chekhov's guns and none of them ever pay off and the show refuses to let the metaphorical gun go off, then it just feels like anticlimactic. So I don't know. This season's a little bit more vapid. It's stylized, though, and it looks really nice, but it's just narratively vapid. I've never seen Euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) Does any of that make you want to watch Euphoria at all? I really don't like high school shows. I I do like Stranger Things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess they're... So, like, you like middle school shows? Yeah, I'm more into, like, the middle school stuff. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, I never... There's way too much drama happening maybe maybe yeah. the people that create these shows are going after maybe themselves to just like had really boring high school careers and they were okay with it like I was okay that my biggest heartbreak or uh the thing that hurt me the most in high school was forgetting to save where I was on Skyrim and then dying and then having to start yeah two hours again where I was but you know I'm okay with that and I'll be vulnerable and say that, like, that's me, buddy. <laughs> but like, yeah, I've seen like the shows 13 Reasons Why. And I just, I am not a big fan of. Wait, is that the one that um, the suicide letter? Yeah. Is there a suicide letter involved? And, they, and okay. they sort of sensationalize it. And it's just not yeah. for me, you know, I'm not all about the, yeah that stuff. You feel? That is like an argument that you hear a lot about euphoria is that it like sensationalizes drugs and uh, sex and alcohol. And the fact that they're all minors, you know, just makes it worse. And to an extent, I agree with that. My bigger problem with the show is that it's just like they're teetering on the edge of like fucking up shit with the law, (laughs) for example. Um, and the law like, ne- never gets involved. Right. Uh, in this new season, there's like drug dealers and one of the characters steals drugs from them and they're literally given a threat as to the consequences of it. And then the show forgets about that nice. entirely. I don't give a fuck, you know, if sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Badass. Get on a motorcycle and drive drunk. I don't give a shit if I'm seeing it on TV and it looks nice. Uh, but because <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> Because it's not real, but I do understand that, like, yeah, the the dramatization of it all, all is also sometimes a lot. It know, just like, also comes like, off as super fake. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like sometimes when things yeah. are not real life in shows and movies, it's fine. There's a suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief, right? But sometimes when things are trying, they're trying to be real, but they're so unrealistic. Yeah, um, especially. In, in euphoria where it's like trying to be grounded in its portrayal of like the consequences of drug use mm. and at the same time does really bananas yeah you're like you know dude, you so don't it's like how are you doing both up your butt right like that's not real <laughs> so i get that 
Yeah. Not without a lot of effort. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what have you been watching, dude? Great question. Um, so it was a few episodes ago. You mentioned Search Party um, yeah. on HBO. I started it and I will say finished it. The show as a whole really frustrating. It is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it starts off great. Super captivating. Seasons one and just about two. You're really into it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can kind of see where it's going. There's a, a, a plot that makes sense, even though it doesn't. And then it just sort of, for me, fell off a cliff. Uh, the last two seasons, especially, I thought it recovered a little bit in the, the final season. Season four. Pro- oh, season, season five. five. Okay. Yeah, it recovered in the fifth season a little, but they sort of forgot everything that happened at the end of the fourth season. And again, without spoiling too much for, for people, you should check it out. It's super, you can breeze right through it. They're 20 minute episodes. The end of the fourth season, there's a huge incident that happens and they just completely forget about it. The next season, it just sort of starts over. I kind of forgot. I'm kind of forgetting about it right now. Yeah. So in the fourth one, she ends up being kidnapped by a fan. And at the end of it, they think they're burning the house down with her inside of it. And then she gets out Mm -hmm. of the house and then in the fifth season, yeah. she becomes a social figure on Instagram. Well, she's in like uh, she's in the uh, in the mental ward, right? And then gets out That's how and becomes sorry, so then gets out, yeah, yeah. and becomes yeah, like social a social media, media influencer. So you would think the people yeah. that tried to kill her would see her on Instagram and be like, "Oh wait, we just tried to kill you." Yeah, yeah, You're yeah, a lot. Anyway, so like I, I will got say it. though, like um, I'll give the show a little bit more this kind of a show a little bit more leeway. Be, then I would give something like Euphoria because clearly the show is always attempting to be silly. Yeah. yeah, it's always a joke. There's an episode in season five where they do a parody of like a Stephen King episode, yes. a, a Stephen King movie. Yeah. And uh, the, char- the, the joke is that the character does not want to at all be involved in yeah. it. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> it's a funny show. There's lots of laughs and it does get frustrating at times because the core four are all incompetent in their own ways. And somehow mm-hmm. they're just continuously surrounded by incompetence everywhere. Police officers, doctors, professionals, Absolutely. everyone is just a complete Absolutely. idiot all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's that's what I love about the show. It, But it was like one of those things after a while, you're like, OK, come on, like someone has to <laughs> like has to be a real okay. person <laughs> so. did you find what did you find about the ending how did you feel about the way it ended because that's it that the the way that season five ends i got I it i don't think it's coming back no there's no way it's coming back i mean i got it yeah. right like it started it, it started off as like a, a mystery and then it turned into a social commentary on how people consume bad people on tv Mm -hmm. and through social media essentially would i watch it again probably not but i would encourage people (laughs) to watch it it was very funny yeah um there's a there's uh the portia and elliot are non-stop comedy they're great elliot yeah they're incredible those actors yeah Yeah. great actors are so great Mm -hmm. yeah um and then drew too though drew has like this every man 
joke thing that he does. His reactions like, he's, are really good. Yeah. Yeah. And he snaps the way yeah. he snaps sometimes. Someone will just oh, scream at him and he'll just be like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the other thing I've been doing lately is we've uh, gone through and rewatched the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies so that we can Both? watch so we can watch uh, No Way Home and have the understanding of what's going to happen, like the the historical context for everything. Yeah, which we'll talk wait, about. Wait, that. did you also watch Toby? Yeah, we watched Toby and our Andrew. So we watched all five. Oh, okay. And I will say the no. Andrew Garfield ones. No, they're underrated. They're no, underrated. And I think no, Andrew is a better Spider-Man than Toby. He is. He's more quippy. Ah. He's more fun. He gets to the punt. He's not awkward. Watching Toby be Spider-Man is one of the cringiest things I've ever seen in my life. It is. I agree with that. I I 100% agree with that. I think Andrew Garfield in costume is the best Spider-Man. In costume, sure. Peter Parker, though, no. Why? Because you feel like you're watching a serial killer when you watch toby mcguire oh no i mean for like andrew i think andrew garfield is like way too good looking and he's too charismatic to be a nerd in in peter parker's shoes and toby mcguire is so fucking awkward that it makes sense that he was an outcast (laughs) in high school you know (laughs) yeah it's so hard to watch somehow spider-man is supposed to be both of those things so hard to watch toby uh yeah so but this is also why tom holland in my opinion is the best all around he's the best all around for sure Mm -hmm. absolutely and there there is something to be said for toby Maguire. you just kind of feel like you're watching that one person you know when you were a freshman in high school and you were like man that older kid is so damn cool. Even watching it now, you're like, man, there he goes. That was him, man. Back in the day, man, he was getting it yeah, done, dude. He yeah, could have been yeah. something. But like Toby Maguire is like the kid that you see, like if you're people watching at the grocery store and you like happen to catch some guy like drop all of his shit. <laughs> now, yeah, he was the he <laughs> yeah, was, that's yeah, yeah, he peaked, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's exactly. Also weird or like somebody, like he's like somebody walking into a sliding way. glass drawer. Yeah. <laughs> he was caressing the bread. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Toby. That guy's weird and strangely horny in the third one for no reason. He is strangely horny. Yeah. In a oh, creepy God, way. But I love he he hands off the dollar, the $20 bill to the waitress and he's just like, find us some shade. <laughs> His lines are so bad. <laughs> He's like, dig on this. Do you think they were like, Toby, uh, we need you to riff. Like, just be Spider-Man. He was like, yeah, I got you. There is. Dude, there's a fucking director's shade. commentary that has Toby Maguire in it, James Franco, and Sam Raimi, and they talk about that scene. And if you haven't watched it or, or listened to it, I highly suggest you do. Because Ooh. all of that was directed he was directed to do that they're like oh we wanted him to have like this weird sensibility blah 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 why do you think he agreed to do that movie 
they they wanted to bring the character into like a quote unquote new direction. You oh, know? that was new for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. I'll post it. I'll post it on our Instagram okay. since we're talking about it. I'll post a little clip of him talking. Yeah. It's bananas. Because when he um, dances, that you cannot tell me he was like, hell yeah, like that's it. I feel good like about fully that. Fully choreographed. I feel good about that. <laughs> It's like full of two weeks of choreography oh, in that dance. God. Anyway. Did you see the little kid doing it? Yeah. The little kid better at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I mentioned sort of getting the historical context behind um, the new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, like having to, like, you know, when you walk into that movie, well, I guess you wouldn't know maybe if you hadn't seen it yet, but having seen it and for someone who hasn't seen it yet and hasn't seen other Spider-Man movies, I think it makes a lot of sense to walk into that movie having seen the other ones. And we were talking like earlier your homework, right? You got to do your homework. Speaking of ta- getting into the history and background of a character in order to understand the full context of the show we're going to watch. How about Boba Fett, right? Bang, bang, boom. Bang, bang, boom. All right, let's get into the book of Boba Let's get into let's the book of Boba Fett. Let's do it. It's spoiler alert time, John. Oh, yeah. This If you haven't seen it by now, I mean, we, we were going to do it pretty close to the finale. So there was probably more of a reason for a spoiler alert. But if you haven't, this is your non-spoiler spoiler alert. That's for sure. So, But also, yeah. we will be probably talking about the, as uh, Mallory Rubin would say, wider Star Wars canon. <laughs> we're going to be talking about all things Star Wars, I'm sure. Well, you kind of have to. Exactly. Just like what we were saying about yeah. with, with Spider-Man, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of context when it comes to characters that we see on this show. So let's get into the real rundown. Let's do we're, it. We're doing something Eternals-esque for the real rundown this week. <laughs> Eternals-esque, but not as painful. So yes. as 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 we mentioned before, we our original plan was to do the entire show because it had a 20% difference. Because of that, Jose went really out of his way and handwritten, like pen paper, mailed it to me um, mm-hmm. of the synopsis of every episode, a very short synopsis. So I tried really hard to, to, to just do one paragraph per episode. Right. One but, Jose uh, paragraph per episode. Exactly. Yeah. So which means it's a lot. It's a run on. It's about it's two pages. Just... Yeah. <laughs> it's like a three page. <laughs> it's like a three-page synopsis for each episode all right so i'll start us off here's what we'll do you want to just trade off john do you want to trade off yeah, on we can trade off but what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through each synopsis each synopsis we're gonna give it a quick you know uh reaction to that episode and a real ranking to that episode as well oh we're gonna real rank them each episode yeah Oh, hot damn. I wasn't prepared for that. So we're going to do that off the cuff, baby. All right. right, So episode one, Mm -hmm. excuse me, chapter one, 
Stranger right, right. in a Strange Land. Chapters. Yeah, it's, it's a, a book. book. It's a book of Boba Fett. It's a book. It's not a chapter one. Stranger in a Strange Land, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Also, that Bobby book Rods. is weirdly uh, misogynistic. If you've ever read. Also, it. shout out Spy Kids to Bobby Rods. What's up? Double yeah, up on the Robert Rodriguez weeks, huh? All right. Directed by Bobby Rod on the sands of Tatooine, bounty hunter Boba Fett is digesting in Sarlacc guts. He escapes, but barely, and his Mandalorian armor is stolen by Jawas. Left for dead, Boba Fett is saved slash captured by Tusken Raiders. Five years later, Fett and his companion Fennec Shand have taken control of Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire on Tatooine. As they collect their tributes, Fett and his crew are ambushed by assassins. The Fett crew fends them off and captures an assassin, but Fett is hurt and taken to recover and is back to tank. Cue flashback. There, he recalls his time with the Raiders as a prisoner forced to dig for black melons full of water or something until they oh, were yeah. attacked by a huge Tatooine monster. Fett jumps on the creature's back, chokes that bitch out, killing it, and saves a Tusken Raider, thereby earning the respect of the Tusken tribe. Chapter one, done. When this show first came out, I watched the first episode. I really liked it because it offered a fresh perspective on this character that I knew very little about, just, you know, through other shows, through Boba Fett in itself. The hit, the story of Boba Fett, the myth of Boba Fett is sort of told through different people. So you never are actually seeing it through the movies, through the shows, through anything Star Wars. You're never actually seeing it first He's person. He's always sort been of a side myth. character. Right. And, yeah. and everything he's done is sort of gone through by the game of telephone. So it was very cool to see this happen. I thought we were going to get a very cool uh, sort of backstory as to where he is now, how he got to be there. Um, and, and I thought the Tuscan Raider thing was kind of cool. I would give the, I would have given this episode an 84 out of a hundred. I com- I'm completely with you, John, the way that this uh, series started out, with taking it right from the Sarlacc pit and for us learning what's going on, I was in. Um, I will agree with you, man. You, you really said everything I was going to say, so I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I'm going to give it an 80 out of 100. 80, nice. All right, let's get into chapter two, the tribes of Tatooine. Uh, this one was directed by Steph Green. So we know Fennec Shand and Boba Fett. They are now interrogating the captured assassin who claims to have been hired by the mayor of Mos Espa, a nearby town. The mayor, Mokshays, denies this but offers payment to Fett for capturing the assassin. Shays suggests he talk to Gersa Fwip, the owner of the sanctuary, which is a spot-on name, honestly, for any bar but also the sanctuary of this bar in Mos Espa. She, in turn, informs Fett that the twins want a claim of Jabba's thrones. The twins are a Hutti's cousins of Jabba, and they arrive shortly thereafter along with a Wookiee bounty hunter named Chrysanthemum. His name is actually Black Chrysanthemum. Could get really? a little they... skit. Well, he is. Yeah, it's weird because it's sort Did of They like... dropped that because they're like, Ugh. Yeah, I think they probably eventually dropped that. But they do call him Black Chrysanthemum in the, I think, at one point. And it's sort of like... Yeah, I'm not what, racist, but this is my friend Black Steve, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is my friend, uh, Latino Jose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's my only Latino this is my friend. friend every- <laughs> <laughs> but I just call him Latino <laughs> yeah. Jose. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, this is my friend, White John. <laughs> Gringo John. Um, 
So yeah, they try and intimidate Fett, but uh, you know, the old bounty hunter turn feudal Lord does not submit back in the back to tank. Another flashback. This is like a flashback machine for him. You know, like you go home, you grab a beer, you just, you know, turn the old mind on. This is his, this is his version of that. Uh, We get another flashback. Tuscans learning to fight in their style and survive in the desert. The tribe is attacked by a Pike syndicate spice train. So Fett takes it upon himself to teach them a thing or two as well he steals speeder bikes from a nearby gang and teaches the tuscans how to ride together fett and the tuscans then attack the pike train and warn the surviving pikes that a toll is now necessary for them to pass through the tuscan territory after this fett is welcomed into the tribe as a full member through a ceremony uh during which a lizard climbs into his head he hallucinates uh leads him to grab this big stick he brings back this stick and it becomes his gaffy stick um yeah and that's chapter two. that was something mm. <laughs> uh i'll tell you what at this point i'm still in for the show i'm learning more about boba fett and uh this found family that he's created i'm a sucker for found family stories and for a character like boba fett which i'm sure i'm going to bring up later again um i think this is a great idea to expand on his character you know what we already know about boba fett is that he was left an orphan after he lost his father and left to fend for himself in the stars during the clone wars along with other bounty hunters and stuff so he's never really had a family and the fact that we're getting more of him uh being trained by and becoming closer to the tuscans really works for me and i will i, I will say at this point though it becomes clear that the series is being split into two, right? And the flashbacks are already starting to become a little bit dated. Uh, we go from present to past. and But it seems, though, that like the past story carries more weight, at least to me, than the present one does. So I, w- I liked this episode. It's starting to go a little bit downhill for me, but I'm still in. I'm going to give this a 77 out of 100. Totally agree. I'll where this episode saved it for me was we we saw something we've never seen before, right? So in Star Wars world, we saw hallucinogens um, in the form of lizards. Oh, great point. There's yeah, and so I thought that was cool. It was different, Um, and and to your point, another take on sort of where he was. I am with you, and that I started to feel that the main story wasn't as important because not only as you said, flashbacks, we're having flashbacks that have serious uh, implications for the character, but also the flashback was 75, 80% of the episode. So to me, that's two episodes now where the flashbacks have actually taken the, the driver's seat to what you would think the plot in the present day was. So I agree with you. I also gave it a uh, 75 out of a hundred. Nice. Um, John, I I think you brought up something great. uh, Just to just to comment on this real quick. The fact that Star Wars actually brings drugs in during the show is crazy and awesome because we're seeing the effect of actual wars on people. One of the things that I've always felt was missing from Star Wars is that like, yeah, there's an empire, there's a republic. How does colonization affect people on the planets? And here we've got a drug trade, right? That's running and and clearly affecting the natives. Um, And I think that's really important. I think that we need more of that shit in Star Wars, honestly. So, all right. Chapter three, the streets of Mos Espa. Directed once again 
by Bobby Rad. Lorth Peel, a local water salesman, comes to FET with a request. Punish a gang of cyborg humans that have been stealing my water in most Espa. He convinces FET by claiming that FET has not yet earned the trust of the citizens of Tatooine and that this could help. Fett and Shan comply, and upon confronting the teenage mutant cyborg kids, they instead employ them, welcoming them into Fett's crew as enforcers. Fett then demands that Lorth Peel reduce his water prices because capitalism sucks. We then <laughs> return to Fett and his back of the tank. <laughs> Another freaking flashback. Uh, Fett is seen with uh, seeking his toll from the Pikes on behalf of the Tuscans, only to return to a tragedy. His Tuscan family has been destroyed in his absence. The Pike gang seemingly at fault. Fett is then literally pulled from both the memory and the back to tank by Black Kersantan, the intimidating Wookiee bounty hunter. I'm choosing to use that name now. Fett and his crew, now including the Powder Puff uh, cyborg teens, fight and capture the Wookiee. Fett then confronts the twins for the assassination attempt. They apologize and they explain that the mayor promised Jabba's territory to another syndicate. And so they leave vowing not to return to Tatooine and leaving Fett with a frickin' rancor as a gift. Fett then releases Kersantan, who looks at him with, like, newfound respect and resolves to train his new rancor pet with his new pal, Machete. <laughs> he then leaves to question the mayor, but the mayor is absent, and a very, very, very lame floating moped speed chase <laughs> so ensues lame. as they capture the major domo. His major domo uh, cowardly reveals that the mayor is in fact in league with the Pikes, who are now arriving in Mos Espa. And Fett decides it's time for war. They should have called this one Major Domo Arigato. Am I right, um, <laughs> dude? Yeah, this dude. one. This one is where. Uh, this yeah. one is. This, this one was, was tough for me. I was. I was. I. I yeah. I'm not out. You know, obviously. There's stuff happening, but then this is the episode where I felt like the wheels were spinning, right? We weren't really building any plot forward in the present time. And then in the past mm -hmm. time, uh, it's, it's more of the same, right? Like the story from uh, getting your own peace and being welcomed into the tribe to then going back and seeing them dead. Like I didn't feel bad because I didn't, there wasn't much because there, maybe it's because the, the, nature of the Tuscan Raiders is they don't really talk or you don't really they're masked so yeah there there wasn't really much huh. connection with them there for me at least and then the other thing that I thought was going to end up happening in in this episode is when the Tuscans died I thought at some point maybe Boba Fett's going to get off planet and it just hasn't happened yet. And so for me, I'm sort of yeah. like, he's going in the, these three episodes, he's gone the course of three square blocks on this sand planet. <laughs> and it's just sort of like losing me. And then just the cheesiness of the color so much synchronization cheese. of the cyborg kids and their scooters and their powers yeah. that don't seem to help anything. They just... It's almost like getting for me. It was like uh, what was what was strange for me was um, I, I understand that like, OK, we had to create this found family for Boba and then we have to rip it away because that's, you know, characters are characters thrive in trauma, at least like narratively. Um, I understand that. However, I don't think that we spent enough time for that to carry the weight that they probably wanted it to. And um, I think that the prop the reason that is is because we keep flipping back and forth between these stories yeah so um i don't know maybe if uh we had spent 
these first three episodes, just Boba and just the Tuscans. And then somehow at the end of that, relate it back to um, the present story in the last half of the season. It maybe would have worked better. Um, but at this point, it's feeling messy. The cinematography just I'm sorry, Bobby Rod. I, I love Grindhouse and I love so many of your other films, including Spy Kids. But the cinematography on this just fucking sucks. I don't I I downloaded. I'm giving myself away here, but I downloaded a copy of this episode. And I feel like maybe if you just up the speed on it <laughs> a little bit, it could be a little better because just the pacing of it was bizarre. Right. Yeah. And uh I'm I'm all here though I will say for the cyber kids, I I am probably amongst the minority that likes the cyborg kids. I like the cyborg kids. I hate their mopeds. Don't get me wrong, but I like the idea of the cyborg kids because uh, Boba Fett was very much like them in his past. You know, in the Clone Wars, he was a kid that was also searching for something. He was also very angsty, and when Boba confronts them, I feel personally he probably sees a little bit of himself so he takes them under his wing you know and he's and now we're learning that boba is creating a newfound family right so that's kind of what i'm processing here i'm like oh he's taking all the things that he's learned from the tuscans and uh he's implementing them in his new domain as a lord but um major it feels so rushed major domain um it feels so rushed that it's just not carrying the weight forward well enough. Uh, I wanted more of them like challenging his territory and him fighting it off. You know, like yeah. at this point I'm expecting, I've seen game of Thrones. So I'm expecting like some feudal shit to be going down because that's all they're talking about. Is that like, Oh, his territory is going to be fucking like people are fighting for it. But then the twins just turn around and leave and they leave him with a rancor. I don't know. There's just things that are off. So for me, this is a 55 out of 100. 55 out of 100. Good choice. Good choice. You mentioned like fighting and stuff. This is also where I was like, okay, three episodes in a row. And this dude, Boba Fett, supposed to be some kind of like crazy assassin. And he just gets his ass kicked all the time. Nonstop. Mm -hmm. I gave it a 40 out of 100. All right. Chapter four, The Gathering Storm. Directed by Kevin, my guy, Kevin T. (laughs) For those listening, the name is like Tancheroan or something. So Tancheroan, Tancheroan, Tancheroonies. All right, KT. Yeah, so this one starts with another flashback. No surprise, right? Fett attempts to steal his, his shit back from Jabba's palace. Instead, he finds a dying Fennec Shand. Fett takes her to a Moss Eisley mod parlor run by the legendary and funky bassist Thundercat. Meow. And her <laughs> life is saved by one very simple looking cybernetic. A payment for saving her life, Fett requests that Shand help him break into Jabba's palace, which is now ruled by Bib Fortuna. Where do you think they come up with these names? I don't know, but they're so good. They're wild. <laughs> Bib Fortuna. Please. So good. call me bib they successfully Uh retrieve the ship while murdering a bunch of guards and shan decides to stay with fett uh his honor drawing her loyalty they return to the desert of tatooine and murder the biker gang he believes massacred his tuscan family and then fly to the sarlacc pit to retrieve his armor 
they blow up the Sarlacc pit and fail. Oh, sorry. They blow up the Sarlacc itself and fail to find the Mandalorian armor and Fett awakes in the present fully healed at last. Hopefully this also means the flashbacks are over at the sanctuary. Fett finds a drunk Chrysanthemum fighting some Trandoshans and hire him to join his crew. Fett then goes to a meeting with the other Moss Espa crime bosses to discuss uniting against the Pike Syndicate. They refuse. However, Fett manages to intimidate them into staying neutral while he fights the syndicate himself, Shan being his brains of the operations and literally the operation suggests they hire reinforcements. Yeah, she's for the, the brain and board. muscle. She's the whole thing. Yeah. Brain, muscle, everything. She does everything for the guy. Um, so I'm glad that we got to see how Fennec and Fett, you know, became the partners that they are. However, again, this is where something about the show's production is now impeding with me enjoying the show. The cybernetics that they used to fit Fett looked so bad that and and the fact that it was Thundercat that's like putting fucking Edward what's his name? Not not Edward Scissorhands? No, the kid who sings, the guy, the little Norton. redhead guy who sings. No, the little redhead guy who sings in the movies. Sheeran. He comes on the movies and on the radios. Edward Sheeran. Sheeran. Yeah. Edward, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Edward Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. His mother calls him Edward. Yeah. Uh, I call him Eddie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, it's like putting Ed Sheeran in your show, though. It's like it, I was so jarred by the fact that Thundercat showed up. I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy. But again, this is the show now is uh, it's a mess. It's a mess at this point. It's all over the place, dude. They like what was the point like of stealing his shit back if they're this is my thing you are this bounty hunter you can go out Mm -hmm. into infinite space collect bounties uh go on weird jobs like that's why people like the mandalorian right is he was doing crazy stuff it was a spaghetti western yeah he at newtown does favor gets out newtown does favor gets out like that's what it was about and people like a one shot every time it's a one and and I think people enjoyed seeing the larger, you know, universe and what their imagination is literally just mm-hmm. it's it could be anything. And so he finally gets a ship and what does he do? He goes back to the four square miles we've been in before to and and just does the same stuff and he never leaves. He's like the the one yeah. kid you know from high school that literally just continues to live in the four square box. And there. I think that's the problem. This is the problem with the show. For so long we've thought of Boba Fett as a bounty hunter, right? Like the story that most people probably wanted to see is Boba Fett doing literally what Mando is doing. Yeah. Instead, we're getting like the show about his uh, redemption. A lot of people who went to go see Star Wars when they were kids probably were like, oh, Boba Fett's probably a badass. You know, he's a cold-blooded, merciless uh, killer. But what we're seeing here is him as like a feudal lord who talks a lot. <laughs> talks a lot about nothing. Talk. And slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talks so slow. This show, although I don't believe it was the worst of the season, I think that's probably episode three. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 60 out of 100. I pushed the wrong button. I'm giving it a 49 out of a 100. Out of a 100. So <laughs> it's better than the last one, but it's sort of like fatigued by now. I'm like, where are we yeah. going? What's the point? We're all over the mm-hmm. place. Just give me something here. Give me something. Yeah. Yeah. And But I'm still in. I'm still watching this. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still in, in. because I, I'm like, it has to get something. Yeah. 
and, and I'm in also because I want to see them do badass shit. <laughs> I'm just here for them to start doing some badass shit. But uh, at, at this point, you know, it's just all over the place. So chapter five, Return of the Mandalorian. Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. That's right. Mando returns. Dinjarin tracks and kills a bounty. He slices his fucking head off with his darksaber, but unfortunately injures himself in the process. He then delivers the bounty and finds a Mandalorian hideout wherein lies his old friend, the armorer, as well as Paz, Paz Vizlas. Paz, Paz Vizla. I believe his name is Paz Vizla. Yeah. Survivors of their tribe of Mandalorian warriors. They inspect the Darksaber and Din learns that whoever wins the Darksaber in combat earns the throne of Mandalore. Din presents his Beskar spear to the armor and has it turned into a gift for his former ward Grogu, a.k.a. baby fucking Yoda. Vizsla, however, has been ruminating about the Darksaber. He himself is a descendant of the Darksaber's creator, Tar Vizsla, and believes that he should wield the blade. He challenges Armando to a duel, but is defeated by our boy. Honor bound, however, Din reveals that he has previously broken their tribe's code and has removed his helmet, showing all of us that handsome-ass Pascal face of his. <laughs> Rejected, Din leaves the tribe and flies coach to Tatooine to meet Pelimato, our girl Amy Sedaris, who has an old Naboo starfighter to replace his ship, the Razorcrest. Together, they montage, they fix the ship, and they trick it the fuck out, and then he goes on a badass test flight where he eludes some space cops, and then he meets Fennec Shand, who asks Din Djarin to join Boba Fett in the upcoming war. He agrees, but first, he needs to visit a friend. So I'm back. Guess who that's going to be? Yeah, there's only one choice. This episode, absolutely back. A thousand percent. And it's so sad. Fucking banger of an episode. A great episode. Had nothing to do with the title character, Boba Fett. I don't even think he was in Uh the episode. And that shows up once for like 10 shows up one time for 10 seconds. Doesn't even talk. I don't. Right. You're right. Because he's in the crowd and they're talking about war strategy. Yeah, that's really sad. And a huge bummer that the title character of your show, you know what it reminds me of in Spider-Man three, when Mary Jane thinks she's absolutely killing her Broadway show. And then they are just like, hey, you know what? Don't come back. Don't come back because we're better off with this other person. And that's what in this 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 analogy, uh, Mary Jane is Boba Fett. (laughs) Yeah, Boba Fett is Mary Jane. Boba Fett is Mary Jane. Yes. Yes. Damn. Yeah. Damn. It is so sad that this has been the episode that like it ended and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then Boba Fett's not even in it. No, I honestly am conflicted because I love this episode so much. But I don't think it should be here. <laughs> it should no. not be in the show. No. You're completely taking away the spotlight. Here's the thing, though. Part of me, you know, is trying to figure out why they would do something like this. Uh, my idea of found family comes back here because I think that maybe what they're trying to do here is connect the dots in the difference between these two characters. Boba Fett is creating a found family now. Din is being kicked out of his family that found him. Right. So maybe maybe that's maybe that was the idea here. But the show doesn't exactly present that point. 
very directly. Like I felt like I had to fucking dig to find that shit. So I'm not even fully convinced of it myself. However, this episode fucking ruled. What are you giving it? Well, this was hard to grade. Are you grading it like as a standalone thing or are you grading it as a part of the show? It's part of the show. As a standalone, though, I'm going to give it 90 out of 100. Okay. Right. But because this is called the Book of Boba Fett, has nothing to do with Boba Fett. I got to drop it down to 80. (laughs) I can't drop it too much. It's so good. Here's the thing that's interesting to me about the introduction of the Mandalorian here is there's a lot of canon and or there's a lot of backstory in this episode just with this dark saber. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, for, for people that have watched the animated shows, which are outside of the Mandalorian, like the Mandalorian and the clone wars and rebels are the best things star Wars has ever put together. Those three shows by far, they're better than any movie. They're better than most of the video games. I mean, it's it's not even close. And the reason that it's John, good, a new hope is good. OK, a new hope is good. The reason those three are better is because they play in the space and they are imaginative in themselves and they kind of continue to build off each other, which none of the movies really do too well. They don't really stretch the imagination. It's a pretty, pretty linear plot like you can. That plot is found in everything. Um, yeah, but these shows kind of do something that's fun. And by introducing the dark saber again, and by, um, the Mando sort of learning the backstory and uh, the other people that wielded this dark saber, like Sabine, you know, who was, uh, said to have gotten it for the wrong reasons and sort of led what Mando's people down. Are, are Do you want to maybe give a little bit of uh, context of who Sabine is for those who don't yes, know? Sure. So, um, Sabine is most prevalent in the show rebels which is an animated series she is a mandalorian that is sort of on the outskirts left sort of the hardcore mando school um, to sort of do her own thing be her own person Um, and then she sort of comes across this dark saber as ezra and uh, the other folks in the rebels are on a mission and um, the whole point of the dark saber i guess is what they say the rules is you got to win it in a battle and Sabine does not win in a battle. Um, she just sort of comes about it. And she has similar issues, doesn't she? she? Very similar where she's trying plate. to... Right, yeah. you're right. Sorry. So the whole thing... It's, is like, she, uh, it's like the Elder Wand, dude. It's some Harry Potter logic. You know, you, you got to win it in battle or it will not obey you. Right. And the people who usually come about it are looking to do change for the positive. So they think and like they're, they're standing up to the old regime. Um, and, and standing up to the old way of doing things, which is like, why do I have to battle you for this? If I clearly am fit to rule as a leader. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's sort of what happened with her. Um, and things went south very quickly, unfortunately. Um, and so now, so what would, uh, so what would you give episode five, John? Yeah, sorry. I'm rambling. I would give episode five, a 95, um, because, not only, did, damn. not only did we get out of Tatooine, I thought the shots, there were a lot of, there was some great cinematography where it just like opened oh, your yeah. world, right? The one where uh-huh. Mando is walking, you see like the wheel around the crest. He's like on a of, halo. Yeah. And it was just, it was so fun to see, even from the beginning of the episode where he walks into like the freezer 
and just starts oh, cutting yeah. out people. The cold storage. Like, that was kind of fun. Um, and then just getting the lore. Um, and so I give this one a 95. And the reason I thought it was part of this is because with this dark saber and with Boba's connection to a lot of things that happen in those shows or possible connection to a lot of things that happen in those shows, I thought this was opening the door to that. And we'll talk about it. Oh, in the next interesting. Scene. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. And I think that this episode also like, like you said, it like brings up old lore, but it's also opening the door for future stories yeah. using uh, uh, and characters and items that in. we've already known. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So like you said, Darksaber and the fact that Mando was like, oh, I'm going to, I need a gift for Grogu, you know, like all of these things are like, they're, they're baiting us. They're teasing right. us with these things. And, and you know what? I'm eating it. I'm going to eat it all up. And, <laughs> and so we get into episode six, which is, you know, six and seven now are the two that we are primarily, I know we talked a lot about them, but these are the two we really wanted to dive in and talk about kind of the differences and how they're done. Uh, episode six here has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so I will go through the quick synopsis on this one. Chapter six, in the name of honor. Boba Fett and allies discuss ways to win the upcoming war despite their lack of manpower. Din Djarin visits Grogu, but is confronted with a difficult choice. The conflict between Fett and Pikes impact the small town of Freetown. So that is sort of the shorter version of the synopsis, because I know we're going to sort of get into it a little bit more. The episode itself is a, it is a, it's a cameo machine. So our suspicions at first of, oh, this is going to reopen the door to a lot of things that we've seen in the past was not wrong, but they did not lead to anything. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let's start the episode. Hmm. We get to see our guy Cobb Vanth, Timothy Oliphant here. So if you remember from Mando season two, Cobb Vanth had Boba Fett's armor and the Mando helps Boba Fett get it back from him. Uh, We're there. Timothy Oliphant is there sticking it to some pike drug smugglers and a classic sheriff of a small town move by giving them a quick draw and getting their spice drugs out in the open. I love this so much. I thought this was so fucking cool. Because it, like I said before, it goes back to like those Western roots. Star Wars taught us to love through Mando. Exactly, through Mando. And Timothy Oliphant is just so cool. And when he kicks over that spice, I'm just like, hell, hell yeah, bro. He's like, honor. Honor is worth more than fucking money. I loved it. I love this shit. I'm a sucker for some good old Western. So it was a cool setup because from then, you know, like when that happens... The storms are coming, mm-hmm. as they would say. Yeah. So we knew oh, that. And it's also actually setting us up in the story because now the, the people of Freetown, Timothy Oliphant, now they have a direct conflict with the Pikes. And we know that Mando knows them. And so he will likely be the link. Right. But did we need an entire fucking episode about Mando to provide that link? <laughs> Probably not, but I'm not complaining. I, I, I it was an incredible episode. So after that, uh, Din heads to find Grogu, who is being taught in the ways of the Force by none other than Luke fucking Skywalker. As Din gets to the planet, he's met by Ahsoka Tano, who advises him to just, quote, wait for Grogu. So while the droids hand build a new Jedi temple, Din just parks it on a bench and waits. 
Eventually, he even falls asleep. We get a, a pretty cute training montage at this point that is a clear homage to uh, Luke learning from Yoda. Yeah, I want to say time, the ma- the- I know I ripped the, the original trilogy um, for being like overrated because of uh, all the nostalgia and uh, the nostalgic memories for people. But this training montage was amazing. Like the the tie-ins, to, it got to you. It, the tie-ins to sort of Yoda uh, teaching Luke and being on his back and yelling at him. But then this one, it was sort of the roles reversed and just like watching Grogu struggle to jump and then make the little noise, yeah. like the <laughs> and like the little grunts. I mean, I loved it. The nostalgia that they're like clearly referencing here reminds me of what we were talking about in our Ghostbusters episode with Nick. We talk a lot about nostalgia in that episode. If you guys want to check that out, it's it's a great it's a great pod. Member berries. Yeah, the member berries just feeding us some member berries. So we get that sweet, sweet moment of member berry goodness. And uh, eventually Ahsoka in, in a conversation with Din convinces him that it's probably not a good idea for him to see Grogu, but that instead she would hand deliver the gift and make sure he got it. So. A heartbroken Din departs the planet in his new muscle car-esque Naboo starfighter. We continue to feel the unspeakable bond that Grogu and Mando have, like a rubber band that's just stretched far enough that when you let go, it just snaps back into form. You like that? That was very poetic. Thank you. It's very poetic that you wrote that. What do what do we think is up with uh, Ahsoka and, and Luke? You know, there were some like. Did you? Did you? Oh my God! Pick up whoa, on some weird whoa. stuff there. No, no. Really? But I'm loving this. I Just love, me? Yes. I oh. would not be opposed to that. She's like 80 and knew his dad. That would she's be only weird. probably like she's probably only like 15 years older than him. No. How old is she when Luke is born? I don't know. I wasn't there. She's older and. I think it's supposed to be coming off as a maternal figure, if I had to guess, but it comes off kind of weird. John, there's like Luke Ahsoka fan fiction. Of course there is. If you're listening right now and you write fan fiction, you're a fucking sicko. So here's so she is 17 years older than uh, Luke, which oh, like I terrible. have friends whose yeah, parents are like 20 years apart. I thought it was worse than that. All I'm saying is they, I don't know, maybe it's just because like I find Rosario Dawson inherently uh, hot. Now that you brought it up, like, am I misremembering or were there some fuck guys there? I don't know about the eyes, but just the way there was some flirtation I picked up on. Yeah. I mean, it was nowhere near uh, maybe I was Bobby Pat and uh, Zoe Kravitz in the uh, Batman. I haven't but... seen it yet. Ooh. I know. I got to find three stay hours. Tu- stay tuned for that. What would you watch? And- yeah, for sure. Yo, and then right after this, when uh, Boba Lee, or sorry, when uh, Mando leaves, we get our Boba Fett cameo for the episode. Finally, uh, Boba Fett shows up. For a hot 90 seconds. Because So wait, so Din heads back to Tatooine. He grabs a beer with Cobb Vanth, right? Because he's trying to recruit him right. for Boba Fett's army. Uh, everyone else is like, no, we're not doing it. And then Cobb Vanth is like, yeah, chill out. I'll think about it. I'll hit you up. Oh, we'll probably shit. And then we get this incredible shot of Cad Bane walking onto screen 
mm-hmm. straight from animation and our hearts mm-hmm. into live action, baby. Mm-hmm. Cad Bane is here. And he's here to prevent Freetown from getting involved. He blasts Cobb Vanth and his his first deputy. Dude, hold on. Like, Can we talk about him. the deputy for a second? Like, yeah, sure. What was the point of him? Was the point <laughs> just to be like, uh, wow, everyone here except Cobb Vanth is a complete useless piece of garbage? How did that guy even make deputy? That's what I want to know, honestly, because he came out and the first thing he did was step right in the way of uh, Cad Bane's blaster pistol. And he tried to tell off a ridiculous assassin, which is a terrible move by anybody. And if he ever thought if he was going to make sheriff, getting yourself killed, not a good look by the deputy. It's not the way to do it. Not the way to do it at all. <laughs> After Cobb Van falls. Whoa, Cad Bane. We finally see him. Cobb, Cobb we, we Yeah, but we see Cad Bane. Who kills oh, you want him, to talk right? a little bit about Cad yeah, Bane? I want to talk about this dude. He he like hell yeah. How many times do you see a, a character that is animated come into live action and they look pretty perfect? Not they many. looked re- he looked really good. He looks I mean, exactly I could only, like it. Yeah, yeah. He looks I think he looked really good. Uh fuck. I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I got uh, so excited. Other than these, those the- the for teeth. those of you guys that haven't watched, uh, yeah, the teeth looked a little big for his mouth, for yeah. sure. Just like John is doing right now. Yeah. But for those of you who haven't watched Clone Wars, Cad Bane is one of like the main antagonists of the show. And the Bad Batch. And but he's he's at the same time, he's pretty beloved by fans, I would say. He's he's pretty great. Uh, so getting to see him in live action was huge for me. Yeah, he killed it. I was super pumped to see him, and uh he he sort of stole the show in my opinion like he made that episode again an episode about boba fett who is in this episode for probably less than a minute gets stolen mm-hmm. by someone else who is also in this episode for less than a minute and then you also i i forgot when i rewatched this episode i thought that that was the end of the episode and then there's so much that happens in the last four minutes yeah. of this of this episode yeah Cause right after that, we go back to the sanctuary and it fucking explodes. Yeah, some pipes inside. Who is like a babe? So I was very bummed. She's a pretty well, like she's a legit actress, like a big name actress that I thought was going to. I was like, oh, if she's in it, uh, then this must be like she must have a legit role in this TV show. Yeah. So to see that explosion was surprising. But- uh, but at the time, definitely thought that she was going to be in the next episode. Yeah, I was definitely very bummed um, because also the show was showing her a lot as like a, a prominent member of uh, Moss Espa. Yeah, they were showing her a lot. But again, like like everyone in this this show, this uh, is like, what are you actually here for? What is what is the point? Why are you here again? Clearly, the show doesn't care about you unless you're the Mandalorian, Grogu, Ahsoka, or Luke. And I find it maybe I should maybe I should say this at another point, but I'm going to say right now. I find it pretty telling that the emotional weight that Grogu can carry as an inanimate object is just insane. It's insane. He's got more personality than half of the people who star in the Book of Boba Fett. He does. I love uh, Tamora Morrison and Fennec Shand. I love them both, but but the show doesn't give them enough to do, you know? I totally agree. And then the episode ends with the Grogu 
decision. Is he going to take the lightsaber or is he going to take the Beskar mm-hmm. um, armor gift from the Mando? Luke gives him an ultimatum. He's either in or he's out. Great. Yeah. I love this part, especially because the, the deep fake looked amazing this time. Yeah. It looked really good. But still, like Grogu carries the show in those scenes, and I, I, dude, I don't know how they fucking nail it. Maybe it's the music and the slow zooms into his face, but they really make that little guy expressive. Also, how fucking cute is it that he gives him a Beskar armor? Yeah, it's so cool. A little T-shirt. Yeah, I'm waiting for Luke to learn because this was clearly what was Anakin's downfall. Um. That there's more than just being a Jedi. And Ahsoka is right there and she knows it. He's given him this ultimatum, but like, this is what killed the Jedi in the first place. You know what I mean? Isn't it a bit hyper? It could be more than just, it's a-, just a Jedi. Just like, and it seems like, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, it seems like this is a lesson that Mando is learning, that he doesn't have to be just a Mandalorian. Meanwhile, Boba Fett has already learned this lesson. He's a Mandalorian, but he's also a Tuscan Raider. He's also wants to be a feudal lord. He's a bounty. He's all these things. There's nothing quite stopping him. And I wish the show would like make those comparisons more clear and those differences clear. But it's so messy that it doesn't seem to even know that they exist sometimes. You know? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really even thought of that point. What was interesting to me is that it seemed a bit. Uh, hypocritical because I, if I remember correctly from some of these movies that people say that they love Luke Skywalker pretty much does the same thing to Yoda he's like you know what F this training I'm gonna head out do my own thing and I'm gonna discover how to become myself through these various adventures that I'm gonna go on and these other things outside of formal training um, to become a better Jedi to become a more well-rounded uh, soldier in this war and so i thought it was a bit weird that luke kind of gave him that ultimatum it almost seemed like out of character like he had forgotten who he was and how he got to where he was um so i thought that was a bit strange in in the fact that they did it but what's interesting to me about six and seven as we mentioned six got a 90 percent on the rotten tomatoes i think the biggest difference for me and maybe a, a bit of breath of fresh air for a lot of people in this episode and, and, and five as well, is just that the pacing it's so, because there's so so much much going on, they're forced to move through it a little bit faster and keep Mm -hmm. your attention a little bit more because it's not, it's not like you're not getting a flashback for 40 or, you know, the episodes were probably 30 some minutes. You're getting a flashback for 30 and then what's, what's moving the plot forward for two minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And these feel so like there's so much happening in this episode and we're going from one to the other, one to the other. And we're so engaged. Also, they're just shot way better. Yeah. <laughs> Where, what are you doing, Bobby Rod? I've seen you make good shit. Yeah. I mean, the, these episodes, while they do take place in different worlds or different locations, when they are in a location, they do a much better job of those establishing shots or the landscape shots and like zooming out and just giving you an idea of how vast that world is. Um, and, and when it's tried to do with just Boba Fett, it just misses because all they show is just dirt and sand. Yeah. 
And it's like, you can make that cinematic, you know, like I just watched sure. an episode of Euphoria and it's, there was one episode about her being so depressed, she can't get out of bed. And the whole thing is filled in one bedroom and it is so fucking cinematic. I'm not yeah. a cinematographer, but I've seen some good shit. I mean, Dune, right? They they walked in a desert yeah. for 45 minutes. I mean, granted, I took a nap Absolutely. during that time, but some people say they really liked it. So <laughs> let's get into episode seven, just so we can sort of compare and contrast these two. So All episode right. or chapter six, sorry, and chapter seven. Chapter six, 90%, as we mentioned before. Chapter seven. Oh, are we, do you want to give it a real rating like we did for the last ones? Yeah, we let's do it right now. So I'll give this okay. uh, real rating a 96. I liked it more just with the extra Grogu. I'm going to give it a 95. Yeah. Okay. Nice, like nice it. round number. I agree with you. Ah, oh, God damn. This is just where Star Wars shines. Yeah. Shit like this. Yeah. You know, in the imaginative space, like even the droids, mm-hmm. like those are droids. I don't, I could be wrong, but I've never seen those before. Like little ants. I've never building, seen those droids. Building a little Jedi temple. Like that was kind of cool. It was different. Mm-hmm. It brought me something new that I'd never seen before in this show, like this world and others. Like I hadn't really seen that before. Absolutely. Which is the best part. So chapter seven. 53%. So there's steep decline. Should also mention that chapter seven is the final episode. Huge. This is it. This is this the finale. Is, this is the finale. And the finale All got right. a 53%. And if I had to wrap this episode up, I'm not even going to go through like a synopsis. We'll go, we'll move through it a little bit. But this episode is a uh, Disney Plus special that we've seen from every one of the Marvel TV shows, I think, except <laughs> Loki, where the last episode is just a giant battle. Uh, it is a CGI fest. That really, yeah. when you take a step back, you're like, what was the point? Why? Yeah. Why is this happening? What is happening? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer because um, so this episode is called From the Desert Comes a Stranger, right? And it's directed once again by Bobby Rod. So I don't know. I don't know what it is about. Death to Bobby, I guess. I don't know what it is about Disney. Disney. MCU, Star Wars, that you have to end everything with like a big old CGI like fight fest. Yeah, I, I hate it, especially when it doesn't feel warranted. This episode starts with uh, Boba and the super teen droid kids scouting a location, the blown up club, the sanctuary, uh, to centralize for a new battle HQ. This is something that was interesting to me. And as I was watching this episode, this is where I immediately was like, when you think of the character arc of a lot of people, arguably Boba has one later in this episode. Maybe it's the mm-hmm. first time he doesn't get his ass kicked. So that is a character arc, I guess, <laughs> in itself at the very end. But the fact that this man is supposed to be one of the most lethal killers on the planet with that probably comes some kind of strategy. And he says, I want to have our HQ in my tower where I feel more protected and we'll have better backup. And one of these droid kids is like, no, you're wrong. No, John, you brought up a great point in that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take it back. First of all. Yeah. Why is a kid telling anything about battle strategy to Boba fucking Fett? But I think you brought up something really good. You touched on it. Where is his character arc? Right. This is a story about Boba Fett becoming, you know, a leader of a tribe, arguably, 
but we and it's like a redemption arc for this character right because he was once a care a, a cold-blooded killer but the problem is we don't see so if he's changing into this guy we don't see ever we never see what he's changing from you know maybe the show should have started with him being a cold fucking blooded killer and then fall and then gets to the sarlacc pit and then we see his redemption as he rises from that right that would have been an arc instead we have this this fucking episode we're also like in a finale i feel like you know you think of good shows and when they get to a finale it's almost like everything's about to spill over you know the the water on the cup is right at the surface yeah. you start to get that Pot surface boiling tension, over and at any drop is gonna make it mm-hmm. just completely come apart and in this episode Absolutely. when it starts i was like they had to like make up something because there really was no pressure for the characters. There was really no threat, in my opinion. Yeah. And what they were facing. And also, this felt small. It felt small. It was. For them to be fighting over the fate of a planet, and there's like a handful of people here. Not like, even the whole fuck? planet. The one city on the whole planet. Yeah. Even then, like, come on. So, yeah, that shit happens, right? They're deliberating. And then fucking Grogu shows up in uh, X-Wing completely by himself i guess these things have autopilots and he's greeted by amy sedaris which is again for some reason i love these scenes maybe it's because i've had time with this character so i I care about him i don't know wouldn't that be nice that was wild right grogu is like a child and luke was like yeah i'm not having fun anymore i ordered you an uber you can get the (laughs) hell out of here like a bad date yeah you know what? Uh, <laughs> I offered you this or that. You didn't pick what I wanted. Deuces. See you. I know it's a blizzard out, but yeah. you got to get the hell out. Dumb. Just dumb. <laughs> After this, they devise a plan where their crew of eight people will split up and individually guard very large areas of the city to keep watch for the Pike Syndicate, which is apparently a very large syndicate of... Uh, drug runners huge um and i'm sure they have an army and these folks decided to take the eight people that they have on their team Mm -hmm. and put them at various spots by themselves around the city to keep an eye out ink is i just realized why bobby rod probably thought this was a good idea tell me you know he's got he's got he's got a history of doing this junie you take the 100 clones (laughs) on the right carmen you take the 100 clones on the left. <laughs> I'll take the 100 we'll clones over here. Like he just thinks that like yeah, one person can just take on an army. <laughs> yeah, that seems. Do so, you think that this actually had something to maybe do with COVID and the original kind of workings of it? Maybe they planned on having a few more people involved, and then they did it this way, and then just didn't adjust it to take place in a smaller area. Yeah. Yeah, or they like ran out of money for episode five or something. <laughs> because they spent it all on Grogu. They spent all of it on Mando and, and Luke's face. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, shit. We'll just split them up. As the crew disperses, first, Cad Bane shows up and uh, the Pikes also. And they give a little visit to the uh, bar that the guys are hunkering down in. And they try to get them to stand down, but they don't. And so Boba sends Fennec out to go assassinate the leaders while they try to devise a plan to get out of this 
sticky situation. Then the rest of the crew are turned on by the uh, people of Tatooine, seemingly overwhelmed. Kersantan and the teen droid kids and the two piggy boys all begin getting attacked by Tatooine citizens. Fennec Shand saves teen droid crew, and then she continues on her way to assassinate the mayor and the pike leader. Um, and then we return to the standoff where Cad Bane and Boba are like like airing their dirty laundry. And this is something that really pissed me off too, because I feel like they have such a rich fucking history. To throw it away in this scene is gross. Uh, I feel like Cad Bane could have been the main antagonist of a full season of a yeah. book of Boba Fett show yeah. because he helped him grow up. He taught him his skills. It, it would have been amazing for them to be pitted against each other. And, but here it's like it's over and and not just that but they don't like there's a huge history with cad bane and fennec shan from you know the previous animated shows as well and they don't even get their time in the sun i mean there is the one where you know fennec is like don't do it it's not worth it to boba but like they should have had some kind of like they didn't even acknowledge each other in the show like there was no you again or anything like that mm-hmm. and then the the thing that bothered me was the the mayor's assistant had to do all the lip service for boba i thought that that was coming. yeah to your point i felt robbed that i didn't get that extra you know super long dialogue from from everyone that always happens in a standoff like way too long yeah talking. but i felt robbed well, like it it's supposed that. to be really tense right? right and we're supposed to be able to feel the hatred these guys have for each other and like you and i as clone wars nerds might know it but did the show do anything to no it felt like a know, joke show it to a new it felt like a joke no. because that guy was sent out there as like a pansy and then mm-hmm. and then they just sort of like you're laughing about it and then they're like all right let's go and then they fire away and then here's the it's like again it's two of you against a ton of people and so there's the fire fest and then the people of freetown come and this is when i'm like okay yeah. this is now two of these right place right time kind of things right so fennec shan oh, right yeah, place right yeah. time People of Freetown, right place, right time. And I love that there seems to be this overwhelming army of Pike uh, people. And then there's 10 people that come on the ship Freetown. from Freetown. On and a they single just, ship. And they save yeah. the freaking day. <laughs> yeah. Well, until they're overwhelmed once again by two Scorponek droids. Yeah. Two big ass fucking droids show up um, and start fucking shit up. And they're pinned down behind the most indestructible spaceship thing in the world. Yeah. Right. Literally, our, everybody, our entire crew, Freetowners and Boba Fett allies are all hiding behind one ship and it's just being blasted on. Until- and just as you think they're about to die, Grogu comes out. Like, it's another person yeah. comes to help and save the day. Yeah. So, Helimato shows up with Grogu, who uh, helps. Din destroy one of the Scorpion X while uh, Boba Fett's rank. Oh, Boba Fett also leaves at this point because yep. they have that showdown, which I actually kind of liked when Boba Fett and Mando try to fight the guy on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Boba Fett turns around and he leaves. He says, "Like I'm gonna go get a friend." So yeah. he returns with his rancor, um, and yeah, that one ba- is able to destroy the other droid. Um, and then. What happens? Cad Bane scares off the Rancor somehow. 
they have the duel again. He knows about the fire because of his deep knowledge of just being around and seeing shit. So here's my thing. Like, I feel like the introduction of the Rancor and then the eventual sort of ending to this big battle scene where the teenage mutant droid kids take it upon themselves to like devise this plan that was terrible with their tiny guns to try and kill this droid (laughs) and then i was absolutely out on the teenage droid kids when the one guy did like a a 180 spin shot to shoot one of these soldiers the infamous the infamous spin shot why why did they do that nobody else on the crew was like hey man that actually looks kind of fucking lame yeah they weren't on the editing bay being like maybe we should cut this yeah let's not put that in bobby 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 this looks really bad it was like stop trying to make fetch happen but the uh my big thing is like with the rancor and then with eventually Grogu coming in and like using the force to like pull the, the nuts and bolts off the, the big destroyer droid so that the rancor could finally Mm -hmm. take it out. And then the rancor goes crazy and then Grogu finally puts it to sleep. um, And then he snuggles up very cutely next to the rancor and sort of that's how the battle is adorable. Very cute. But here's my thing. All of those oh, God. were so rushed. And it just reminded me and just watching the last, you know, five, 10 minutes of, of the episode in which that stuff took place of how rushed really this whole series was. Because you always only- have a problem with these Disney Plus series because they're you've always said it. Why are they six to seven? Why are you episodes? seven episodes? Why? There's no reason. Don't be lazy. You can add stuff in. And I really think this show could have done a lot better from it. Like we could have learned more. Like we've been complaining. Like we wanted more Boba Fett. Like you're the title character of this show. Like we, mm-hmm. we learned nothing about you. Your plot was essentially the B plot to your own yeah. show. Like it was really about Grogu and Mando coming back together and us seeing Grogu learn with the force Learn At least that's it. what it feels like. Yeah. Because that's what the show decides to fucking end on. Yeah. It's not and, the book of Boba Fett at all. And so, you know, things like. Okay, wait, wait, Sean. And then the fucking. Let's just finish the episode off first. Because after the back, Grogu baby. puts the Rancor to sleep. No, well, before that. Oh. After Grogu puts the Rancor to sleep, we see where Fennec Shand has been the whole time. Oh, and it's sneaking around a fucking building. And she just murders all of the important people that needed to die in order for them to win in seemingly 30 seconds seconds. and in a windowless room bloodlessly assassinates (laughs) (laughs) and there's no blood anywhere no none and their bodies disappear yeah yeah (laughs) it's just like and that yeah another great point it's like all of these huge huge you mentioned like to bring it full circle you mentioned the Chekhov's gun and euphoria right like we got so uh-huh. many of those the rancor and like boba learning how to be one of the the what are they called the night sisters tuscan the Tuscans? no the night oh. sisters are the what? ones that ride the rancors in clone wars oh. they're the yeah, ones that yeah, actually yeah, yeah. like do all that stuff like whoa like you can do that I want to see you learn how to do that and learn to master machete, it. And... Machete literally just walks up to him and is like, I can teach Let's you. And then it cuts away. 
And I mean, for what it's worth, it is a Chekhov's gun to introduce the Rancor and then have him riding it. Right. Because apparently there was like a, a toy that they used to sell in the 80s. Yeah. And it was literally like Boba Fett or it was a, it was on an animated thing like Boba Fett rides it on a Rancor or sure. some other fucking thing. So like people saw that happening, th- thought it was going to happen and it happened. But like com- it, it's too fucking rushed. It was right? so rushed. There was the that, whole thing felt Yoda or it felt sorry. very Spy Kids, John. But this, this is Star Wars. <laughs> this isn't Spy Kids. <laughs> it just all came together way too fast in this episode. And I think so. And, and just to finish the point, like Grogu, we see him with the pond, like lift the one frog with the force. And then Luke shows him, hey, if you really pay attention and you work on this, you can have all the frogs you want. And then he just he's just ready to go taking off the nuts and bolts of a huge droid and then stopping a a huge rancor like this huge beast this feral beast putting it to sleep like we that was quick to have happen and then to your point the whole point of this what i got from this uh this series was hey we need to stop this really bad mayor we didn't learn why he decided to be bad, I guess, just money. And then the Pikes, we don't know why they decided that this was going to be their place and this was going to be it. And Fennec Shan just takes him out. Capitalism, in, John. In, in 20 seconds. So it felt like the whole plot of the show was a ruse just to sell more Mando Grogu IP. I, I mean, it's because they just decided to go so left with that Mando episode that it honestly makes the whole show a little bit more weak. Again, don't get me wrong. I fucking love that that episode. What a fantastic hour of TV. But like, did it belong in this show is a, is a huge question for me that I know the answer to. The answer is no. <laughs> also, um, I wrote something here just to go back to that horrible battle strategy. My favorite battle strategy in, in TV and in movies in general is... Uh, yelling out cover me and then proceeding to run directly into the danger why doesn't everybody do that we should go tell the ukrainians about this battle strategy bro because clearly it always works yeah i mean there was that there was like here take my tiny gun there was it was every wall was indestructible only the ones that the people were behind it was just so silly and and i think so i'm gonna head into the ranking or my real uh, my real ranking for this episode specifically here. Um, and I want to preface it. My real ranking for this episode is a 50. And I think the reason it's so bad, the introducing of Mando and Grogu and that storyline and the fact that it had nothing to do with mm-hmm. anything of this storyline really took away. And it took away because we, we didn't get to see Boba Fett and the whole show is called the book of Boba Fett. And in the finale, Boba Fett does kill Cad Bane. And the reason he does that is with the Tuscan stupid. He does it with the Tuscan stick that he puts together. Yeah. And the, you know what? The reason we forgot it was because it was forgettable. I I was pissed. Well, it's also because the the show forgot it. The show did. The show forgot about it for two episodes. It was annoying to introduce a huge character in Cad Bane and for him to die that easily. He may not be dead, but regardless, that was it. And I think it gets a 50 because you're so taken away and taken aback by like, like you spent so much time with Mando, with Grogu. When you see them again, you're just swooned. 
even though their mm-hmm. storyline is completely different, has nothing to do. And really we get no answers to theirs either. But then we're like sent back into the Boba Fett world. Yeah. And we like didn't like it already. And then we got that taste of Mando and that excitement. And then we got sent back. I think it hurts the finale even more, which is why I'm giving it a 50. I'm going to be a little bit more cruel than you, though. I'm going to give it a 40 out of 100 Oof. just because the cinematography also did it. Like all of your points, 100 percent agree with. But I will also say this episode looked like shit. And uh, my main complaint, I guess that's the show. That's how it ends. Well, we see Thundercat come in and he's going to revive Cobb Vanth. And that's how it ends. Who is in the back of the tank? Cool. I want to transition, John, into our final thoughts, first thoughts, etc. We've teased this before, John. Like, I have a we we both have a pretty complicated relationship with Star Wars. We both grew up with Star Wars. I remember going to see the prequels when I was a kid, and realizing that they mostly suck. Um, but there's so much to love here, and I think that this is 100% a Star Wars show. <laughs> yeah. because of that there's so much i fucking loved about this but there's also so much that fuck that is just so fucking lame and just like what happened with the sequel trilogy which was it, it, to put it just as fast as possible i don't need to get into the last jedi but it feels like there's no real plan sometimes when i go to watch these star wars shows they feel so fucking messy and uh you wait for something that's going to connect the dots. And when you do see something that is, it makes you so fucking excited. And you're like, holy shit, Grogu holding or the, the potential of Grogu holding Yoda's lightsaber or Mando showing up in this show. You're like, holy shit, this is something that I really loved. And seeing it here now is just like just pouring member berries into my face and I'm into it. So there's a lot that I really liked about this show. But my main complaint, John going into the final thoughts here is that it's called the book of Boba Fett, <laughs> but it's not that at all. It's something else. The first three episodes I'd say, yeah, these are the book of Boba Fett episodes, but then the show puts its own protagonist in the B story for the second half, tries to wrap it all up really quickly, tries to put a bow on it, a bow that is star Wars themed with Mando and baby Grogu's face on it. Just like uh, the Christmas presents that I got last year. But the action looks like some Power Ranger shit, and it's just such a fucking mess. It was all anticlimactic because all the story beats were rushed. All the character shit was rushed. I love Cad Bane, but he was so rushed. And I feel like there's so much you could have done with that character. And uh, I see that you have on here, like, what would you want out of season two? I want Cad Bane. I want more Cad Bane. But it's not going to happen, John. Uh, I don't know. What I did like was the found family stuff. I like that. uh, I think that part works really well with with the character of Boba, like I said in the past, like knowing his past in the Clone Wars and how he like has always ached for a family. But all of it is for nothing when the show complicates itself with Mando and Grogu and fucking Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka. Like, why are all these people here? Don't get me wrong. I love seeing them here, but it makes this show real messy (laughs) and real anticlimactic in the end Uh, i don't know the worst part is that like every time that it wasn't bobby rod it looked good yeah bryce dallas howard's episode looked so good well because it it also every time it wasn't bobby rod it wasn't about boba fett yeah yeah that sucks too nothing has changed with how i feel about star wars after watching this show 
I fucking love Star Wars, but also Star Wars is so fucking lame sometimes. And it every time, every single movie has shit that I love and shit that is just fucking stupid every time, except for Mando and the Clone Wars and Rebels. All right. Fair enough. And rant. Ended. <laughs> I, uh, you know, don't have much else to say other than I was just disappointed overall in the show overall because I felt like they didn't do anything original. They set themselves up with so much potential. When you look at Bad Batch and there is Omega, the clone, she is created off of Boba Fett's DNA, like the other last what clone. A, what a like great there's one idea. more of her. And no mention, yeah. no even like doesn't exist. I think that every sort of face-off cameo fell flat because they didn't give enough chance for dialogue or any buildup or any tension like we already mentioned through Fennec through Boba with Cad Bane Cobb Vanth at all felt like everything felt rushed um and I think there was even potential with the dark saber which I thought was going to come and because Mando being or because Jin being a Mando and Boba I thought that there was going to be some kind of tension with the dark saber there between the two of them um, and, and that continuing the storyline too. But nonetheless, we just get Boba being a completely useless fighter slash assassin and just completely. You're bringing be- up some great fleeced. shit. Like, like how great would it be for Omega to be in this story? that's basically Boba's sister. We don't know. You can make it whatever you want, but it's just like at the end of the day, like you said, don't call this shit the book of Boba Fett when it has nothing to do with him. So no, that's all I got. That's all I got. So let's get into, uh, you know, why we're here, man. We're real critics. Let's hear, let's hear what the so-called real critics have to say. Um, we're going to, so there unfortunately are no audience reviews. I think we gave a good uh, voice to the audience here on both of these. Um, I think we were pretty accurate on those as well. I'll just give you a quick couple of the critic reviews and we'll just kind of see like, eh. So episode six from the Desert News, Salt Lake City. Probably a big weekend in Salt Lake City, uh, St. Patty's Day, you think? Yeah, they're, they're huge drinkers over yeah. there, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the <laughs> best live action Star Wars episodes to date. This is episode six if not the best overall. It's packed with nuggets of Star Wars information cameos and surprises that will make you an instant fan of this show. Unfortunately, I agree that it makes you an instant fan of this show, but this episode is not the show. This episode is Mando 2.5. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Cameo Bonanza, uh, another excellent episode with too many moving pieces from other shows. So, I mean, it sounds like most people are going to agree with what we were saying. I believe so. It sounds like we're, yep. Yeah, we're pretty it's tapped like, in here, baby. Yep. Critics all seem to be like, hey, we got rid of Boba Fett and we're just going to go back to what works. Like, we're going to give up on this Boba Fett experiment and uh, get this Mando moving. Um, and then episode seven. The problem with the finale, as we all could anticipate, is that after spending so much of the last two episodes focused on Mando's season two and a half journey to reunite with Grogu, much of the momentum surrounding the characters on Tatooine was lost. There you go. See? We got it. That's the main problem with this show. 100%. And I feel like it's going to be, people are going to agree with us on that across the board. Yeah. Because what kind of fucking show forgets the title character? You know, I get it if you have like an episode of a show that's like long running 
And then like one day you're like, like Seinfeld, if one day they're like, you know what, let's, let's make this episode about Newman. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? Right. And you're like, yeah, that would be nuts. But it's like, you have to establish your characters before something like that's going to pay off. But yeah, this, I mean, it just completely lost track of what it was going for. And again, I just want to reiterate that there can't be a redemption for this character if we haven't seen what they need redemption from. It's all, yeah. So even if the show was six or seven episodes of Boba, we would have needed to like flashbacks to him being a piece of shit. Like I used to be a real huge piece I, of shit. I'm afraid that your baby doesn't uh can't can't change its opinion on me. I want to see Boba Fett flashing back, eating some sloppy steaks with the boys at Tefano's. Yeah, you know, for me to believe that he's a good person now. Yeah, you know, for well, me I mean, to believe that people can change. You don't just end up in a sarlacc pit because you're a nice guy. And it sort of felt yeah. like we were supposed to believe like this whole show is that Boba's this good guy and he just somehow like was walking in the desert one day and tripped into a Sarlacc pit and like, damn, down yeah. on his luck, he got out. <laughs> uh, Dude, it, what's crazy is that like he fell into that Sarlacc pit and he gained 30 pounds. <laughs> And like 50 he years came old. came out of it fatter than ever before. <laughs> and old as shit. And yeah. Cannot. You, you know act. what? I will say this. We haven't talked about the performances on this. Oh, okay. That's how you feel about it? Because I thought he was doing okay. I thought he was doing a pretty good job. <laughs> maybe they were you like, like Yo, Tamora Morrison on this? Hey, play a clone. No. <laughs> Not like... <laughs> Don't be like a drywall piece of bait. You're not playing a robot, man. You're like a real person. Do you think they had him? Um, do you think he watched the episodes of the Clone Wars with Boba Fett before he did this? Dude, I don't I don't even I think he was probably in such a blaze somewhere. Probably doesn't even remember who Boba Fett was. And they were like, hey, we really want you to come and like reprise the role of you know boba fett or like jango he's like but i was jango fett yeah (laughs) wait a minute he like literally doesn't even he's like wait a minute i was jango fett yeah and we want you to come in reprise the role he's like uh and they're like oh we'll give you you know two million bucks yeah i'll do it (laughs) you said Mm -hmm. boba who we only need you for uh four episodes though yeah we only need you for four out of seven (laughs) three episodes episodes in 10 seconds oh okay (laughs) yeah um yeah this last review i think sums it up um this the sophomore live action star wars show ends as it began full of sound and fury signifying nothing yeah it didn't exactly complete the story circle did it Dan Harmon would be like what the fuck are we doing here guys yeah it was more of like a story I'm not yeah, even, yeah, yeah. It's like pinging. It's like a story. He's doing like a zigzag line. Yeah. He's like a story zigzag. Yeah. yeah. It was all over. And, but then like way back, back around at the beginning. And then like, mm-hmm. you know what? I I will say that this story still makes more you sense. You look like you're like, Eternals. have you ever seen like those like VR people? And they're like kind of, that's what you're doing with your arms. Oh, really? I haven't been in the metaverse yet. Me neither. I'm in no rush to either. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you saying? I just said that this, even though this plot's all over the place, it makes more sense than Eternals. Yeah, and it was a lot easier to get through the, 
the synopsis than it was for it. <laughs> yeah. Thank God if you're still with us. Yeah. You deserve it. If you're still with us, guys. So, wow. Oh, overall. Ooh, real ranking time. Real ranking. Time for the real ranking. What are you giving it, John? 77 out of 100. Uh, basing it purely on potential. I'm hoping that Boba gets out of this world that he's in. They're like, hey, you know, tattooing. John, but from a story point, why would that happen? He wants to rule his little place on Tatooine. I think something you know, so. will pull him away. I think Fennec will sort of hold down the reins since she's the more competent one. And then Bozo Boba will uh, clutter and pinball his way through space, ruining the lives of Mando and Grogu because you're going to be disappointed, John. (laughs) You're going to be disappointed because he's just going to get his ass beat by every alien on every planet. I genuinely do. Are they even going to do a season two of this show? Like, why would they? They can't. What what would you what the only like real story thread that you have to explore is like Omega sounds fucking sick from the Bad Batch, but they'll right? just do Bad Batch and Omega. But Omega at this point, if she doesn't like die in the interim, would be like uh, the same age as Canon, Canon. Mm. You know, because it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. Yeah. Would be like around the same age as Kanan. So like she would be a fully adult lady, uh, Tamora Morrison, which would be genuinely, I don't even know if they're gonna do a season two of the show. What do I want to see in a season two of the show? I want to see it'd be cool if Omega comes in and she's the main antagonist, you know? And then they learn that, like, oh, what if she like is like the leader of another drug syndicate, you know, that starts fucking when Tatooine and and that would maybe he has to go off planet to go meet with her to negotiate, blah, blah, blah. That's how you'd pull him off planet. And then um, uh, learns that they're re- related. But maybe, you know, in Star Wars fashion, they like kiss first. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. They have a kid and then they <laughs> He's learn my brother. Yeah. 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 It's some know. like yeah. fucking Luke and Leia shit. So I don't know. They're not going to do that either. But how about that Obi-Wan, though? That should be good. I heard they took a lot of angry yeah. stuff out of it and they're making it lighthearted, which I hope is not the case. But I hope that's not the case. It better be fucking sad. Like, I want to cry. Can I, so let me ask you this. After having watched Book of Boba Fett, are you still excited for more Star Wars IP? I, I'll tell you what. This, uh, tell me. This Obi-Wan show, if it sucks, I'm out again forever and unless like because like what else are they making they're making so here's the one that i'm excited for there's Mando uh, season three Andor. oh Andor. the ahsoka show too and the ahsoka show but i, I think Andor is going to be the one that i'm most excited for because it doesn't have any of these fucking characters yeah. 
got to start a completely new story about a guy who lives on the edge. He's yeah, Sounds he's, like he's fighting for the rebels, but he's willing to fucking murder to do it. That was the coolest part about Rogue One for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Maybe I won't be out, but I'll be out on like the yeah the traditional stuff. I There's just no like, way they're gonna do you know like what another movie. If, if right? they give me if they give me Obi Wan Darth Vader duel, I'm turning it off. And I'm not. They're gonna that. give you that. That's what's gonna happen. I That's definitely gonna. But happen. But I don't want that at all. You don't. No. I'm hoping that it goes. Yeah. With, Spoiler alert for the trailer. I'm hoping it's just Obi-Wan fighting Inquisitors. And I'm hoping maybe Obi-Wan ties some of these loose ends that we see uh, in this Boba Fett show. I'm not sure like what they're doing with time because I feel like time is a little wonky in these shows too. Like the, the well, span of time. Like, but- so we, yeah, because we see little baby Luke or not baby Luke. He's like 10 year old Luke, right. right? In the trailer. And then it goes. And you see Ewan McGregor and he still looks great, <laughs> but he becomes Alex, Alec Guinness in 10 years time. What the fuck did he do? Did he fall into like, like the snow white hole and became stupid old? Is that a thing? No, Hercules. That's what I was thinking. Oh, did he fall into the, into the Hades? pool? Into <laughs> the, the river Hades pool Hades. and yeah, and become fucking. Sticks. Sorry, it's the sticks 40 years the river for uh, Thank you. Thank philosophizers you. out there. Yeah, your uh, Greek mythologizers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still going to watch everything Star Wars related. I have a rebel tattoo now, so I think I'm in it for life. Oof. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. I might have been a little bit too impulsive in this one. <laughs> but anyways, speaking of impulsive. Follow us on uh, social channels immediately right now. Listen to all of our other podcasts <laughs> if you haven't already. Download, listen, subscribe, and uh, nice, be as impulsive nice. as, as you can. Impulsively like all of our shit and be sure to catch all of our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jose Garcia Chow here with John Wolf. Today we signed it with the critics. But remember, at the end of the day, everyone's a, a real, real critic. critic. That was actually real critic. No, we got it that time. Yeah. And may the force be with you all and also with you, John. Ah, and with you (laughs) and all of your loved ones.